Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Hey, can we give a big shout out for our online audience right now, okay? God bless you guys. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, again, so glad that you are here. Um, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Hey, next week I'm starting a brand new series. And uh, I promise you we're going to punch with this series. I don't think we ever have a lame series, but we certainly wouldn't have a lame one after Easter, okay? And so we're going to do a brand new series called Say What? <laughs> I'm serious. And you can say it however you want. Uh, but it has to do with this, and this, this is really super important here. It has to do with some conversations, essential conversations that are in our life that we all have all the time. And it's conversations. There's four big ones. There's your conversation between you and God. Your conversation with the enemy of your soul. Conversation with yourself. Your self-talk is so incredibly vital. And then resulting in all those things are your conversations you have with other people. And uh, all of this is very, very vital. So we're going to dig into that. Make sure you come back, come, be, come back and be with us and uh, bring somebody with you. You don't have a church family? We got one right here, and we'd love to have you. We, we love folks, and uh, we're a mess. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all, none of us are going to pretend to be all pious and perfect because that would be lying in front of your face. But you know what? We're after Jesus. Our heart is after Jesus, and he's helping us to grow. He's helping us to mature. As Alicia talked about, we're taking those steps, and he's helping us to take those steps. I mean, even if sometimes we miss a step. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we get turned around. And God is so good in his love to keep turning us back around and helping us on this journey. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So uh, we welcome everybody to come back and be with us. And again, a great service kicking off. And then I just want to chime in on this too. The baptism blowout uh, is going to be a fabulous celebration. Uh, it's going to be outdoors. We're going to have several baptism pools set up. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have bounce houses and games and, and all kinds of stuff going on, incredible music going on. Uh, we'll do some worship. going to share just real brief. We're going to baptize some folks. And then guess what? Then we're going to have some fireworks. I mean like some really quality fireworks. And so because why do you all do all this? Because this is worth celebrating. You know, the world gets all mixed up about what to celebrate. I mean, anything come up. It's National Tree Day. Can't wait for the weekend, tree day, you know, whatever. You know, we have something to celebrate, amen? I said we have something to celebrate, amen? Amen. Well, let's dive in. Uh, let's go ahead to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. And uh, in all the Gospels, we have accounts of the resurrection. It says, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him to embalm his body. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, on Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large. 
And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Read this with me. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. That's pretty awesome. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly, notice this, and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. The New, the New Testament is written in Greek, and it's an amazing language. It contains, it's so much richer than our English language. Uh, it just, we have to use a lot of words to kind of describe what some of these Greek words and phrases say. But they trembled and were amazed. What a combination, what a collision of emotion and feeling. This is, this is wiring them in every way. They trembled, literally shaking in their boots. I mean, just physically rattled by what they had just experienced. And then they're also amazed, which is like this uncontainable thrill that is just going on. And so you've got both of those things going on. No wonder they fled. And they came fully expecting to find him dead and to anoint and to embalm his, his, his body, so to speak. And they find that he, he is a, he's alive. And then the stone is rolled away. And they have an interaction with an angel. And the angel says, hey, look right here. This is where, where he lay. The other gospels give even more detail of some of the things that were in there. And then they have a message directly from Jesus through the angel. Go, go and, and, and spread that news. And the message that they present is the same message we present to you today. And it is this. Jesus is alive. He's alive. Now, on that first Sunday... On that one Sunday morning, that was the single greatest event in all of human history that Jesus rose from the dead. And I just want to say to you, we're a church that believes that. We believe that Jesus, the Son of God himself, came to the earth and took on human form, Merry Christmas, lived a sinless life, and then willingly went to the cross to die and to pay for the sins of all mankind, my sins and your sins. And then on the third, and then he was buried, and then on the third day rose again from the dead. And we believe, we believe that he literally, physically rose from the dead. We believe in something that changes everything. We are Easter people. Amen. Now, look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul writes. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Notice that, and I'll come back to it. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. This is the central, essential truth of Christianity. Hear me. That's why Paul said it's of first importance. So it's very important that we put all of this together, that Christ died for our sins, for my sins. He was buried. He rose again, just as the Scripture said and as the Scripture records. So again, that first Easter morning, two women went to the tomb expecting to find him fully dead. Instead, he's fully alive. He's gone. The angel says, go quickly. Go tell his disciples that Jesus is alive And again, I say to you today, that's the message that I want us to get today, that Jesus is alive. But time out right there. We don't want to just come together and celebrate some 
historic event, although we should. And we need to recognize the historical value of this. We don't want to come together and just talk about some religious thing that happened that we ascribe to, that we affirm, that we believe. We need to know today, does it have any impact on my Sunday afternoon? Does it have any impact on my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next month, the rest of my life? Does it make any difference or is it just something that we believe in our minds and hold on to? And I want to present to you today that it matters and it will make a difference. And I want to show you how to connect with that uh, today and forever And I'll tell you what, that'll perk you up, and that'll make you install lights like this in your bathroom and in your kitchen, all right? Because we're celebrating, folks. Amen? Amen. Well, I want us to, for the next few moments, to super focus on something. Can y'all focus? Hello, I'm up here. Focus, focus. Uh, How many of you remember in school, they tell you, put on your thinking cap? Did they tell you all that? Well, last century, when I went to school, they told you to that you had to pay attention. And you had to, so we're, we're going to think on some things. We're going to super focus on three passages of Scripture just for a few moments. We're going to take our time a little bit. And this is a vital key. One of the keys to understanding Scripture is to take your time. Slow down a little bit. Sometimes people just read through it like, a, you know, they're reading like an auctioneer or something. And we, and we need to slow down and not just read it, but let it speak to us and take our time, and it helps us to be able to understand. So let's start out right here with uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Alicia referred to this verse earlier. It's familiar to most every one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, come on, read this. Here's our key word today, okay? This is the key to all that we're going to be talking about is believe. That whoever, come on again. Whoever believes in him should not perish, will not perish, but have everlasting life. I think that's a good deal. And the key is to believe. God set it up out of his love for us. He set it up, sent his only begotten son. And if we would believe not just in him, but what he has done for us and the import of that, then we won't have to perish, indicating we would have perished But now, because we can believe, something can change in our life, in our eternity, so that we can have everlasting life. Now, there is in our world today kind of some angry religion. An angry religion kind of likes to stand around and point fingers at everybody and tell them what they're doing wrong and condemn them and do all of that. And I would say that they need to read their Bible a little bit better, okay? Because this very next verse, and I just want to quote it for you, John 3, 17, It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I hear, I even heard uh, not long ago on Christian radio, somebody talking about God condemning people and condemning this group and that group and all of that. And I just say, you need to read your Bible a little bit better because he did not come to condemn. He came to save. Now, here's a way. Here's a way for us to kind of understand. Let's imagine that there's a great big flood and all of us got caught in that flood. And that flood is the result of our sins, our failures, our shortcomings, our mess. And so we're all out there in it. And guess what? We're not going to last long. We can't stay out and we cannot rescue ourselves. And Jesus comes along in in a rescue boat and he reaches over the side to take your hand And if you take his hand, if you believe, you take his hand. And what does he do? He lifts you up 
And instead of you perishing, now he gives you life. But if you're in there, you're perishing, and you don't believe, you don't take his hand, you'll continue to perish. So he doesn't condemn. Read the whole context, the verses around this. And it says he doesn't condemn. He says those who believe are saved. Those who do not believe are already condemned. So it's like this. You're already in the water. You were already drowning. He didn't drown you. You know, he, he didn't condemn you. He came by and said, I'd like to rescue you. I'd like to save you. And what gets you in the boat, what moves you from perishing to life, is that you take his hand. Is that you say, I believe. And it's believing that moves us from death to life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And if you believe in me, even though you were dead, as good as dead, he said, yet shall you live. And the key again is that you believe. Come on, everybody say, I believe. I believe. Now, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For he... We're still super focusing, remember? Class? All right, all right. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for for us, that or so that we, say that's me, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him or through what he did okay so here's the thing sin all of sin there's nobody has not sinned except for jesus that's noted right here and so he god made him jesus who knew no sin to be sin literally you ready for this to absorb the sin of all of us see the wages of sin is is death there's a penalty that has to be paid for our sin for our shortcomings for our rebellion It has to be paid, and we can't pay it. I mean, we can't earn it off. We can't sweet talk. We can't work hard enough. We can't be good enough. How many of you know on your best day, you're still kind of messed up? Well, earlier services, they were, okay. How many of you know on your best day, you're still a little messed up, okay? At best, we're inconsistent. And so we can't work it off. We can't pay it off. And if we died for our own sins, that's just another person dying because we're not fit to be the sacrifice. Follow the model through the Old Testament sacrifices and they would take the spotless, without blemish lamb and that would be offered for the sins of the people. A total picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world He who was without sin became sin for us. How did he do that? It was on the cross. And God poured the sin. He absorbed, Jesus absorbed the sin of every one of us, of every person that's ever lived, ever will live. All of that sin came onto him. He became sin. He was the only sacrifice worthy. And he was nailed to the cross. He died for us. Nailed to the cross, the, uh, the book of Colossians said that all the handwriting of ordinances against us, it's all the charges against us, all of our sins, were nailed to the cross and taken out of the way, indicating that now we can have a relationship with God. Because we had sin blocking us. We couldn't have a relationship with God, and we couldn't get it out of the way. So God so loved us, he said, I want relationship with you. 
And he did the only thing that could happen. He sent his son who knew no sin to take that sin out of the way, nailing it to the cross forever, forever done, once and for all, the book of Hebrews says. And now that happened so that we, come on, say it's me again, so it's we might become the righteousness. In other words, that we could have right standing with God. That's why we smile. Look with me in Romans chapter 5. We're still super focusing, just a, just a couple more minutes. Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. All of this flows together. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at the next verse here. Much more than, don't miss this, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Let me put it to you this way. On the cross, Jesus took the punishment that our sins deserve. Watch this. Thereby moving our judgment day. You got to pay up. Moving our judgment day from our future to the past. Did you hear it? See, what he did on the cross, paid the price in full. He moved our judgment day, our due day that I'm going to have to pay up for all of us. Jesus moved it out of our future into our past. Let me explain it this way. What if in school, let's say in college or somewhere, you had a giant term paper due? So it's coming up in a little bit. How many of you have ever had that nightmare or it happened in your life? It's like, oh, no, that's due tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. Well, we don't know when that would be due. But that is due. It's coming up. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And guess what? You find out somebody wrote your paper for you and got an A++++, okay, and turned it in early. That's what we're talking about, okay? So Jesus did that for us. On the cross, he said probably the most three-loaded words ever spoken. He said, it is finished. Do you know what that literally means in the New Testament Greek? It means paid in full. So it's paid off. It's paid off. So here's the result. Because of all of that, then guess what? There's no longer anything for us to hide There's nothing left for us to prove. There's nothing left for us to fear. Let me sum it up in this way. Thank you for super focusing, by the way. Let me sum it up this way. He died so you could live. He died so you could live. And watch this. And he rose to give you a meaningful life and the power to live it. Read this with me. Read this with me. He died so you could live. He rose to give you a meaningful life and the power to live it. The event was real. The message is true. Now follow me. Not believing it does not make it untrue. Sometimes we hear something, I don't like that. No. Not believing it doesn't make it untrue. Let's be fair. Believing it doesn't make it real. People all the time believe things that aren't real. Bigfoot. <laughs> now, I don't know. He might be real. He might not. I've watched documentaries on him and all of that. And uh, I don't know. He could be real. I don't know. Somebody the other day said he's in North Carolina. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but if you believe 
in him. Well, I believe he, well, that didn't make him real. He either is or isn't. Okay? Well, I don't believe it. That doesn't matter. He, may, he might show up in your yard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have family members that believe, and he's been in a whole lot of beef jerky commercials lately. So, uh, <laughs> so could be real. But see, believing it doesn't make it real. Not believing it doesn't make it untrue. Follow this in particular to the resurrection. Follow this. It's through believing the resurrection that power is released from it. And the power can impact you and your situations. Question. Anybody here have any situations? Let's turn the lights off again and get our phones out. Anybody here? Anybody here have some situations? Well, guess what? The power can help us with these things. But for the power of the resurrection to mean anything to you and for it to make any difference in your life and your situations, you ready? You must believe. You must believe. Now, look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 1. Again, the apostle Paul writes, I pray, and I've been praying this for you all week this week, I pray that the eyes of your heart, this is, this is key, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and watch this, and his incomparably great power. Note that, incomparably great power for us who what? Ah, there it is again. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, watch this, that power is the same. It's the same power as the mighty strength which he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly place. I don't know about you, but this is thrilling me. The power is for those who believe. believe. Let's get that across one more time. The power of the resurrection is for those who who believe. Now, let's talk about this This power, just for a moment, is not just power. It's great power. It's not just great power. It's incomparably great power. Incomparably great power, which means there's nothing you can compare it to. You can't say, well, it's like Niagara Falls or it's like a laser. No, no, no. You cannot compare it to anything. There's no apples for apples. And since I can't, you can't, nobody can draw a comparison to that power, then it's hard for us to comprehend. And if we can't comprehend it, then we are hard-pressed to even try to explain it. And we live in a culture that says, well, unless I can figure it out, I won't believe it. That's garbage. I present to you Exhibit A. Behold, the microwave. (laughs) Exhibit 2. Behold, the cell phone. I mean, we could go on and on and on that things that work and we use and they benefit our lives and we don't understand it. We don't understand it. And yet we believe, we trust it to do something. So it's incomparably great power. We're not going to be able to fully understand. And so what we have to do is we're going to have to believe because believing is what releases this power into our lives. I want you to also notice it's the same power. Same power. We sang it this morning. That is such a powerful time in that song. It's the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. Guess what? He 
He can use it in your life and in your situations. Okay, let's talk about that power for a minute. Well, what does it do? What's it, what it like? Well, sometimes we want to think of the power. He does this. It's the resurrection power. Raise Jesus from the dead. So, and, and we think this way. So if I get in a traffic jam, people are holding me up, I could just say, Jesus. And, and I apologize to the people on the first few rows I just spit on. I'm sorry. Who do you think it's just going to do this kind of big thing? Or we think you get bills in your mail or, or something you don't want in your mail. You can just say Jesus before you get in the mailbox and it just turns into just ash. Or you post something on social media or somebody says something about it. It gets a little snarky about you. you know, on your, then you just say Jesus and their phone melts. It's the power of the resurrection. Yep. <laughs> Y'all watch, y'all watch too many superhero movies. That's the problem. Hey, no, it's way better than this. It's way better than that. The power that we're talking about is able to seep into every crack and hidden place and problem and situation. And God is able to see what's coming and handle anything. And it's that kind of power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that can work in our lives. So just real quick, I just chose just one area. I mean, I promise you it will help you in every area. But I just chose one thing that's kind of common. It's a big issue. It's a big problem. I would say it's epidemic in our culture. And it would be this. Emptiness. Emptiness. You ever felt it? I'm going to turn the lights off. Get your phones out again. You ever, you ever felt empty? Sure, we all have. And we all deal with that from, from time to time. It's lack of meaning. It's lack of purpose, a lack of fulfillment. Um, and busy won't do it. How many of you know a busy life is not a full life? You get more busy if you want. You know what that does? It just makes you tired. <laughs> Stuff won't do it. Stuff won't do it. You know, we're living in a culture that tells you stuff will do it. Get the new stuff and the stuff that goes with the stuff. And then six months later, there's a newer stuff. And you can get all the stuff, and that won't do it. That won't do it. About 20 years ago, um, our family's on vacation. We went with some friends, and I had bought uh, two sea dews. Y'all know what sea dews are? Kind of like jet skis. Y'all know what they are? Do any of y'all get out at all? Water, lakes, rivers of y'all? Florida? Anybody? All right. Okay, read about it later. Uh, So we went and we're on vacation. I'm just so excited, you know, to ride these things. And and so I put them in the water, went down to, you know, where the the little ramp, putting them into the water and getting all set up. And just as I get on my sea-doo and all of that, all of a sudden, I mean, just out of nowhere, comes this giant, incredible truck, matching trailer, matching gigantic boat. And it just glides down into the water. I mean, this is unreal. I'm thinking, what did this guy win? I'm sitting there over on my little. I mean, it's amazing. It all matched. I can still see it in my mind. It marks me forever. I think my voice started to change when it came. Wow. 
And it glides down in the water, and all of a sudden the guy gets out of his truck. And uh, he's got on a cool hat. He's got on expensive sunglasses. He's got a big old watch. He's all tan. He's all toned. He probably doesn't work out, but he looks like he works out. He's got hair and gold coming out of his shirt. I thought, God, this is got Don't forget me, meanwhile. I got zinc on my nose, you know. I've got a little hat with a chin strap, you know. He lets, he lets it all in. He gives a signal, and all of a sudden his wife gets out of the truck, and she's, like, beautiful. She drives the truck, pulls it up out of the water, and there he is sitting, turns it on. Don't forget me. And I'm just like, wow. And so I'm about 10 feet away from him now, and he's in his boat, and he's checking a few things. And I just said, man, what an awesome setup you have. And he just stopped in that moment, lifted up his expensive sunglasses. He looked sad. He gave out a sigh and he goes, and you'd think I'd be happy. And I said, well, I am. (laughs) Stuff won't do it. Can I tell you something? You mind I take just extra 30 seconds with you guys? When you're feeling empty, you'll try to fill it. And you know what we typically do because we don't know what to fill it with? We fill it with wrong stuff. Wrong relationships, wrong people, wrong stuff. If I could buy that, if I could drink that, if I smoked that, if I had that, if I met them, if I got to go there. I'm telling you what, you're just going to end up more empty and sick. First Peter, look at this. Because, because Jesus was raised from the dead. This is what we're talking about. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Because Jesus is risen from the dead, there's a resurrection power. If you believe, that'll fill up that emptiness. Let's look back at this word one more time again, emptiness. There's another aspect of it, and it just means this. I got, I got nothing. I don't have anything to run on. Just nothing. You felt that way before. And I tell you, everything around you tries to drain you. We live in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And it just kind of drains you. Do you know your, your vehicle has a fuel gauge? And there's an F on there for full. And there's an E there for what? Empty. Empty. And you better respect the E. So otherwise it a tip over and become W for walk. Okay? And sometimes, sometimes we feel that way in life. And listen, when you're low on energy, when you're low on energy, little things become big things. When you're low on energy, joy is absent and joy is strength. When you're low and empty in this, in this way, colors are missing. You're easily discouraged. You're easily overwhelmed. You use the word idiot a lot while driving through town. You just become impatient with people and everything about you because you're running on empty. But Romans chapter 8, look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 
Once the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, he will, by that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, look at this, bring to your whole being new strength in vitality. So what I'm telling you today is the power of the resurrection is for those who believe and there's nothing that cannot help. And here's, here's just one sample item, emptiness in our life. The power of the resurrection can take care of that for us. Can we get an amen on this today? We're almost done. Let me just give you another short list of some things this power will help you with. With trauma. With drama. With tragedy. With failure. With setbacks with challenges, with questions. It can turn hate and hopelessness and shock into peace and sense and order. It can turn alcohol and drugs into clothes and shoes and food for children. It can turn pain and loss into strength and wisdom. It can turn weakness and wandering into purpose and direction. It's the power to stop It's the power to start. It's the power to finish. It's the power to hope. It's the power to not worry. It's the power to stand up and say, yes. It's the power to square up and say, no. It's the power to forgive. It's the power to rebuild. It's the power to be happy. It's the power to overcome. It's the power to get over it. It's the power to get through it. It's the power to get back up again. But for the power of the resurrection to mean anything to you and make any difference in your life, you must believe. As I finish this, let's just talk about believing just for a moment. I know this is a little hard to believe. Resurrection. It's a little hard to believe. It's so unusual. And then it's clouded by centuries of people trying to explain it away. And then on our day, it's crowded by a culture that just doesn't seem to know what they want to do with truth. So here's what our culture is doing. Everybody has their own truth, which won't work. Believing is a choice. It's a decision. You're not waiting on a feeling. The Bible tells us it's with the heart you believe. We'll be forever trying to figure out things with our head. But my prayer today is what I've shared with you, the truth of God's word, the truth of the good news, that it will resonate in your heart. And then I would invite you, I think there's kind of like a line of faith, that you get up to that line and go, I haven't figured it all out, and I'm telling you my situation, I hadn't figured it all out. But it bears witness in my heart. I believe. And I'm telling you, on this side of that line, when you choose to believe, you're going to find that the power of the resurrection will come and work in your life. And it will come and help you. He died so you could live. He rose so you could have a meaningful life and the power to live it every day. And for all of this to mean anything to you, make any difference in your life, you must believe. I invite you today to believe in something that will change everything. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. 
You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.